social media is new and it has changed things. It's changed dynamics, hierarchy, conversations, the system. Can you build a doctor in six seconds? Can you build a doctor from a series of tweets? You know, it makes us feel like, okay, we, we're not part of that tribe. We can't um, contribute to it at all. My social media presence became an extension of my life. Hello, and welcome to an ASME Bite Size Guide to Social Media. I'm Johnny Guckian. Social media is perhaps the most compelling phenomenon of the 21st century. Almost 4 billion people connect and debate, befriend and scorn on hundreds of different platforms every single day. Social media can bring communities together more than at any other point in human history. Yet, there's perhaps no force greater for division in modern society. Medical education stands at a crossroads. Social media is already embedded in our culture. Should we embrace it and innovate, joining our learners as they take conversation and scholarship to new horizons? Or should we remain critical in the face of dizzying new trends and concerns of professionalism and privacy? To discuss these issues and more, I'm joined by two very esteemed colleagues from the ASME social media team. Firstly, we have Mr. Simon Fleming, who wears as many hats as a hat stand, but in summary is orthopedic registrar, vice chair of the Academy of Medical Royal College's trainee doctors group, the co-chair of the International Conference in Residency Education, ICRE, PhD candidate in medical education at Barcelona, London, and social media associate editor at medical education and the clinical teacher. But you probably know, know him as at Orthopod Reg. Uh, with us both, I'm delighted to have uh, Aqua Asif, uh, medical student and academic rep at Leicester Medical School, head of visual arts at Learn Surgery Online, uh, burstology medical student representative, uh, graduate of Royal Holloway, and most importantly of all of those, uh, one of our fantastic new social media interns at ASME. Uh, I'm Dr. Johnny Guckian. I'm director for social media and communications at ASME, uh, founder of Medicines Medical Education, incoming uh, dermatology uh, specialty trainee in West Yorkshire, and I'm an editorial trainee at the British Journal of Dermatology. Guys, I guess the most challenging aspects of creating any social media resource is that it's just so divisive. So as we walk through this series, we'll advance through difficulty settings. This first episode is really on the basics, so the what and the why of social media. Later on, we'll, we'll talk through making the most of social media and medical education, and then finally, how to build a social media brand. So I think we should really start um, by asking uh, a really important question. And I'll ask Yakwa first. Um, what does social media mean to you? Social media has been a fantastic platform for me to engage with my peers mostly because um, I've played a role in representing my peers for around six years now. And I've pretty much used every social media platform to stay in touch with everyone rather than just emailing away it's just too much to keep track of. So having so many groups to keep, keep everything organized is much better that way. And also using social media has kept me in touch with you guys. I wouldn't have met you guys. I wouldn't have known about ASME or Burst or anything that I'm involved in without social media, which has been fantastic for opportunities for medical students. Brilliant. So it's great for, for uh, connecting um, and, uh, as you mentioned, career opportunities. Simon, what about, what about you? Have you, have you found the same? Uh, yeah, so I, I, 
um, it's that whole hipster thing of like, uh, I remember social media before it was cool. I, I got into social media to complain. I got my first Twitter account to complain about a home shopping delivery thing that didn't arrive. And everyone was like, you need to have social media because they don't answer the phones, but they'll, they'll respond to a tweet. And then very rapidly, uh, to be fair, a lot like Aqua, I, I found other people on social media, right? You, you suddenly identify these little networks and communities and tribes. Um, and so very rapidly, my, my social media presence became an extension of my life, right? It became an extension of my personal life and my professional life such that when I started doing more academic stuff, more advocacy stuff, more culture change stuff, it seemed bonkers not to engage in social media. It was this free, accessible way to, in a very equitable fashion, talk to people. It breaks down these barriers and hierarchies that exist, not just in healthcare, but like in life in general, such that I, as then a very junior trainee, was able to turn around to professors and politicians and, I don't know, restaurant owners and be like, I've got some questions for you. I've got some ideas. I've got some thoughts. Or I've got a culture change program. Discuss. Engaging in social media is good for your academic and professional career. It just is. You are cited more. Your papers are read more. People come to your organization's website more. But for me, it was all about that ability to have conversations with people in a way that I could I could not do otherwise. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's absolutely true. I, I think when I think about how I first got involved in social media, I, I, this may this may age me, but I, I think it was Bebo. No, um, I <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I remember that it was the most important thing that you could talk about in school was your your top 16 friends. Bebo got you to order your top 16 friends in order of how important they were to you. And that, that I thought that, re I was thinking about that and that really brings it home as to the social importance uh, and the, the impact and social dynamics that social media has had as a phenomenon in our, in our uh, society. Um, and really how it, it's, it, it's really got to the heart of our friendship groups, our working life um, as well. Though Bebo, Bebo never really quite made it, but you know, other, other platforms have, have uh, taken lessons from it, um, like Facebook had, did, and, well, exactly. and had, really run with it. You had kind of MySpace and, and Friends Reunited, right, where you would try and hook up with people that you went to school with and all this sort of stuff. And it was only really Facebook that, that changed the landscape. Because up until that point, even with MySpace, it was still, even in the name, right, it was still actually not really about building tribes and communities and networking. It was about putting yourself out there for others. Mm. Whereas um, it, was, it was Facebook that really turned it around and was about linking with people and, and building those communities and networks and pages and, and sharing those facets of yourself that otherwise you probably wouldn't share with the world. I want to give a voice to those who are a bit more dissenting um, because, I mean, I've been known to be critical of social media quite a bit, in, uh, um, but I, I realise I'm doing that from, a, from, a, from inside the tent. What do you think may be the reason for why someone might not want to get involved with social media or what do you, do you recognize any of the criticisms that, that may have been leveled against it? 
Yeah, so um, I've noticed a trend here, especially on Twitter. The um, hashtag um, MedStudent Twitter is full of students who've done so much and it makes um, the people who really haven't done much because like the F1 requirements are max points, two publications. There are tons of students who already have 20 or 100 and, you know, it makes us feel like, okay, we, we're not part of that tribe. We can't um, contribute to it at all when that's not the case. There are the majority of us are all, as long as we're eager to take part, we can. Um, but especially on Twitter, that's what I've noticed that it, it's mostly full of high-flying students, unfortunately. What aspect of social media do you think brings that out? I think the whole bio system on Twitter of like, you know, med students. It's like, oh, um, NASA enthusiast, um, football lover since 2018, blah, blah, blah. Which is fair enough. But then you've got people who just insert things and it's just, it's like a breeding ground for, okay, everybody oh crap I, i'm not as good as that person i'm not as good as that person so it just becomes like a, a steam problem i think and oh my god my name is out there now on this podcast but yeah that's that's my opinion <laughs> yeah i mean so you're, you're talking about professional identity aren't you and yes. and you, the, the the social media cv um i mean yeah i i, I, I first of all i feel seen um but <laughs> <laughs> but, but um I mean, you're right. This is something that we've seen on particularly on Twitter, and I think that's um, the the name of the the game on Twitter because of its short burst text, and you need to get the important messages out there very quickly. And it's very much a one-upmanship, and that is part of a wider problem of, I think, an industrialization of, of medical education. Um, but what what do you, what do you think about about that, Simon? Number one, bios are cringe, whether you're going to put it on Twitter or have it read out by someone, right? Because you've written it yourself. It's like Simon's a Leo and he likes long walks on the beaches. Like, it's just weird. I think, I think the, the issue is that Twitter is still a representation within reason of the world, of people. And so you have a wider audience who now see the way you behave and present yourself. Because I, 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 I don't understand why anyone would behave differently on Twitter than they would in real life. If you uh, always like to take devil's advocate, right? You probably do that in real life too. And again, you've got that spectrum. So I love a good debate, right? My, my friends and I will happily sit around and argue stuff just for funsies. It's just fun. It's an, it's an intellectual thing and there's no venom behind it. But of course, on Twitter, no one knows that. So there's that fine line between I disagree with you because I disagree with you. I disagree with you just because it's fun and I'm bored and there's nothing on Netflix. And being a troll and saying stuff that is actively provocative or harmful just because you like to see the world burn and because really no one can hold you to account, right? But but as Johnny touched on, Twitter doesn't do nuance. It's incapable of it. And I don't care how long your thread is, it doesn't do nuance. Um, it, it has other really powerful ways of phrasing things. And now that we have GIFs and emojis and all the rest, but you can't have that nuanced discussion. It's not what it was ever designed for, and it's still not what it is there now, right? We've lost sight of, of the point of Twitter or yeah. of social media in general. And I, th- I think you've, you've touched on a lot of the, the 
the things that great people on social media um you know you, you have it's not just twitter as well you have the superficial nature of uh, uh of cv building for example that's pretty similar to what you get on instagram with people taking pictures of pictures of their food and then you get um these exaggerations the, these extreme arguments these snowballing of debates as you say um into trolling person uh, personalized attacks virtue signaling etc and these they're all pretty extreme examples but they do happen and we see them happen every day there's there's um, as you said not a lot of nuance in social media and i think that nicely covers some of the criticisms of those who are in social media and who those who are involved but do you think that's why people um who who aren't aren't sort of you know involved at the moment don't sign up or do you, do you think there may be other reasons? Perhaps, maybe maybe not from the medical student perspective, because there will be a lot of, of listeners out there who are maybe professors or, um, you know, uh, academics um, or senior um, clinicians, for example, who haven't got involved. And in fact, these are people, a lot of people who make decisions about our, our, our training. Why do you, why do you think they, may, they maybe don't get, don't get involved? I think, it's a, I think you've asked one of the biggest questions of our time. Uh, and it's nothing to do with social media. I try, I try, I try, you know. Yeah, right? Like we <laughs> basically advanced philosophy by at least... And, no, <laughs> you've asked why are people afraid of change? Why are people afraid of new stuff? And social media is a nice example of it because change is loss. It was, it was said to me by Eric Hombo in the States. Change is loss and it blew my mind. But social media is new and it has changed things. It's changed dynamics, hierarchy, conversations, the system... Right. The classic example being, if you have enough followers on Twitter, what are you? You are an influencer. Right. So suddenly you have power that some people might suggest you've not earned or hasn't been given to you by the right people or system or protocol. And, and I feel like it is the same thing when you talk to people about when the Internet started and it was terrifying right? And it's the same thing when we started doing laparoscopic surgery. It was terrifying because it was new and different. And to engage requires uh, admitting that you need to change. And often it requires someone to give something up. Uh, To move to that next place, you have to give up, whether it's power, prestige, uh, your place in the world, your understanding of the landscape. And so if I'm honest, I think a lot of it just comes down to a very, very human fear of the unknown. And I think social media is really scary for a lot of people because it's mm. so other. I explained to my mum recently as I was like, it's like having a pen pal, only I have 15,000 pen pals and they all write back same day. Aqua, so Simon t- touched on role modeling, and, and we know that's a massively powerful force in, in medical education, um, uh, in and outside of social media. What do you look for in a social media role model? Um, quite frankly, someone who engages with the. So it's, it's useless for you to like post something and not engage with your followers. Just someone that we can talk to. Um, if we have questions, someone to answer them because we're all curious about something. And if they're a role model, you're giving us insight to what we want to do. So someone who can provide that is, is great. Someone who is open and friendly. Um, perhaps someone who 
is from another country or another continent or something, you know, we can, because you can offer so much to us. You can give us information on something that we don't know. Brilliant. And, and, And I think that's, that's really powerful. It's yes. about you know, the content you can offer, but it's also about the attitude and the values. I think the most um, interesting thing there was that it's about someone who listens and 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 engages. We talked about what social media means to us, and um, I actually want to bring in as close to an official definition as we can, and it, it really in- captures that 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 multi-directional approach. It's actually it's from um, the systematic review on uh, social media use in medical education by Cheston et al. in 2013. And they describe um, social media as web-based technologies that facilitate multi-user interaction around expressive user-generated content that goes beyond fact-sharing. Now, that was 2013. And I think the world and social media in particular have moved on significantly from there. And we are talking now on Zoom which you could or you might or you might not include as a social media platform you know it would take a lot of the boxes in that it's um, multi-directional um it's user-generated content um it's web-based technology but actually as a social media well it's it's difficult to 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 really consider zoom as as as, as true social media then do you think oh is it is that is that because it's private well you could you would i would actually argue that facebook messenger or whatsapp their social media and they're private then what is it that makes one thing social media and another thing not social media? It nearly feeds on from what Aqua was talking about. Because um, the, there's a difference, right, between a mentor and a coach and a teacher. Because the stuff you were describing when you look for in a kind of social media person is the same thing you look for in people, people, right? What you were describing was a really healthy, multidirectional relationship. And there's something about that. So when I, when I talk about mentoring rather than coaching or anything else, um, the metaphor I always use is, is dating, is, is relationship building. Uh, you both need to know what you're looking for. You both need to have, you know, you can have healthy relationships, but you can have toxic relationships. You can have lifelong relationships. You can have short relationships. You can have relationships with a goal in it. Like there's something I want to get out of this, but there can be relationships of just like, I just met you and let's just see where this goes. And, and that's the same with mentoring. And I think social media facilitates that. So people will get in touch with me in social media and say, dear Mr. Fleming, would you please help me get a project? full stop. And I'm like, okay, we need to talk about this because that sounds a bit one directional and uh, a bit transactional, which is probably not healthy and probably not going to be successful versus some of the mentoring kind of relationships that I've developed entirely through social media. And again, they're about these kind of conversations where you build that thing. And, and, And the reason why I think that for example, Zoom is much more of a communication medium than social media is because of that. You have to have a relationship already before you use Zoom. I think we've introduced nuance into social media, which is, which is an achievement. And I think social media is evolving as well. Um, the, the average person has um, seven social media accounts. Just think about all those old accounts that you haven't really deleted. You still get the occasional uh, entry into your junk mail. And there are new platforms rising and falling um, uh, all the time. My first foray into medical education um, and into professional social media was on 
Vine, um, which is my own little thing I go around and plug uh, around the medical education circuit, my project Six Second Studying. For those who haven't heard of Vine, Vine was a video-based social media um, platform owned by Twitter, which allowed the sharing of six-second videos over and over and over again. And um, mostly it was used uh, to share videos of cats, as most social media is. Perhaps that should be in the social media definition. Um, can you share videos of cats? Yes. Brilliant. There you go. Social media. Now, whenever I, I, I took that um, um, medical education series on Vine that I made um, around um, meta conferences, I was told by many people that you can't, you can't build a doctor in six seconds. You, 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 can't, you can't take these snippets and replace uh, medical education, traditional medical education with this. Um, and there was a lot of people who felt, I, I think felt threatened by this new technology, you know, reflecting back at the end of that um, journey, which ended really with Vine dying a death because of external factors to medical education. Um, I think there's, there's something in that. Can you build a doctor in six seconds? Can you build a doctor from a series of tweets? Nobody's suggesting that we're, we, we replace traditional curricula with social media, but do you guys think that we can, appropriately supplement our curricula with with um social media aqua you're you're nodding yeah yeah so um i i truly think that we can supplement uh, medical education um to be a good doctor not only do you need to read textbooks you need to know how to be a good human being you need to know how to communicate you need to pick up all these cute little gems that we receive any sort of um, new information is going to be golden to us in in the long run that's what i think and uh, quite frankly, the people who were giving you backlash were, I think, indeed threatened or, or scared or worried. Or perhaps I wasn't putting my point across well enough, but that's a separate point. And again, it, it comes back to uh, the stuff we've talked about before about why why people push back. And and again, it, part of it is actually about how you present your yourself, your argument, the image you portray. Um, uh, it's interesting. You when you were just talking, you you were talking and and. My inner, the guy who likes the devil's advocate arguments was already like, he said a bunch of stuff I could pick up on, right? But I would do it and be like, I actually agree with you, but I would signpost. But you could see how easy it would be for, to, for someone to be like, no, of course you can't. Because again, lack of nuance, right? No, you can't train a doctor in six seconds. But if you got into the real philosophy of it, well, life is just a series of six seconds, one after the other, right? And And a bit like, PBL, a bit like simulation, a bit like anything, people seem to love to present things as absolutes. So you say, um, I think that uh, we could use some six second videos, hypothetically, to augment supplement medical education. And I use that great thing, which is the, the straw man argument, uh, which is a debating thing, whereby I take what you said and I basically reframe it so that it's not what you said, but it sounds stupid. So I then say, Aqua, did you know that Johnny said we can replace medical education with six-second videos? What? Right? Really? Right? So, yeah, I've gotten pushback, and a lot of it is because of that. So um, you say something very nuanced at a conference, in a paper, in a conversation, and it turns into an absolute. Simon Fleming says... This is absolutely 100% always a bad thing, a good thing, a must, or whatever, which instantly gets people's hackles up. The format of social media and the, the sheer brevity of, of most of social media, though not all, um, doesn't lend itself to, to extensive argument 
uh, neon suns. And it, it, therefore, you have to get, because you have to get a very complex point into a short space, it turns into absolutisms. Now, you also touched on hierarchy, and that's something that is a real force for good in, in social media, this disruption of hierarchy. And I think we, we could all say that the three of us, you know, we've, we've, we've say, we can say we've benefited from, um, from that disruption of hierarchy on, on social media and that we have um, you know, a privileged platforms and we have a voice um, that in the past our forebears wouldn't necessarily have had at our, at our stage in, in careers. Um, and that's a real benefit in social media these days so that you can, um, you can get your, your viewpoints, you can get your, you can actually, you can get your important, you can get your, your, your scholarship, your, your um, research out there. Um, I know it brings it back a little bit to that medical student CV uh, argument, but moving on from that, you know, that's, this is a really powerful medium for um, uh, career advancement. Do you find it comfortable and easy to, to traverse through the, 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 say the Twitter sphere, um, e- you know, easily and communicate with, um, with those who, again, were traditionally more, more senior than yourself or how does that feel? Yeah, definitely. It gives me so much uh, comfort. Like, for example, you two are m- like, I was gonna, I was gonna sound insulting, but you're you're years ahead of me. Um, quite, you know, freely, and we we're speaking as people. And I guess that I, I, if you were to tell me that ten years ago, oh yeah, you're gonna speak to um, uh, a dermatologist, you're gonna speak to an author Reg who has a million different titles, I'd be like, no, you're kidding, you're kidding, no way. I'm just I'm just a tiny little baby medical student. It's, it's amazing, okay? Um, I can speak to different consultants who have like um, expertise in, the, in one or two different topics that I'm interested in. It's absolutely great what Twitter and Facebook has introduced. This whole disruption is for the good, I think. And I think uh, what I really want to touch on, because we talked about Twitter there, um, something that links really well to what you just said, and it's a different platforms, YouTube in this, in this case, which you could do a whole podcast about YouTube, but you mentioned, you know, oh, I'm just, I'm just a medical student. Now, um, one of one of your predecessors, Aqua, um, uh, as a social media intern, was uh, Nadina Bass, who um, is absolutely uh, fantastic. Uh, um, Fy current Fy one, previously finding a medical student when she did the internship, who created this amazing, um, sort of bite-sized uh, medical education video series called "Not Just a Medical Student," which was all about inspiring. Um, tomorrow's doctors to be creative while um, updating them with all of these new innovations but also there's a whole lot of role modeling there it was based on that disruption of hierarchies and saying that you're not just a medical student and I think that was a beautiful uh, example of of demonstrating that hierarchy disruption on a platform that's not Twitter. She's amazing. Not only do we is is flattening hierarchy a good thing we know this to be true not getting rid of it no one's ever said get rid of it but flattening it but there is, uh, again, and it, it comes out sometimes on social media platforms, whether that's Twitter or Instagram or whatever, or just in conversations, is, is the like the trollier side of, of, of hierarchy is that infantilization of everyone in medicine, right? So, you know, you're just a medical student. One day you'll understand, right? Um, and then you become a doctor and then it's like, well, you know, I was... So w- back in my day, we weren't called... Uh, FY1s, we were house officers, and we were often called the houseplants, right? And, and like Johnny's nodding, right? You would refer to the like, you know, the medical houseplant. And it's it's not only like an undermining bullying thing, 
but it's still an infantilization. Like you're a doctor, but only just. And then you become an SHO and fine, you're an SHO and this is great, but you're not really a surgical trainee yet or a dermatologist. One day you'll, maybe you'll get there and you don't understand. And it's also complicated. And I'm going to use some really big words, but one day. And what's interesting is I speak to some of my colleagues who are consultants now and they get it still. Well, you're a junior consultant. But when, when you've been a consultant for five years or 10 years, then you'll see, then you'll understand. And that infantilization of our colleagues and peers as a profession is just toxic, right? Because you're not just a medical student. Number one, you're a medical student. It's really hard to be a medical student. It takes a lot of work to be a medical student. It took you ages to get in there. It costs you a lot of money and personal sacrifice. But also, you're an adult. What do you think it is then about social media that, that reduces that infantilization? Um, from my point of view, I think, uh, number one, um, there, there is that anonymity uh, in that even if your bio says, I'm a medical student, I'm an MS1, I'm a this year resident, this year trainee, I think it removes some of those unconscious biases and conscious biases that, that fire on people from that one-to-one, that visual interaction. And I, I think that there is that psychological freedom of being like, tap, 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 I'll tell you. Because, of course, that's the other extreme, right, is people people become, so, the hierarchy gets so flattened that people move, drift into the realms of disrespect. I think there's also an element of um, capital. And the world on social media is a different is a different uh, landscape than it is to the the um, traditional medical environment, um, where people on 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 social media aren't necessarily guaranteed to have that power if they if they are higher up higher up in the chain. They just don't have any power over you at all, do they? Like the worst yeah. they can do is report you to Twitter or like tag the GMC. Like, what are you going to do? Mm. Like their 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 power isn't isn't there remember that they it does exist in the real world and that's the point where you people get into people get into trouble then where where does power come from in social media is it your number of followers is it the 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 perceived influence that you have um if that's the case then you know what what does that mean for our, our discourse does that mean that um you can if you can you could have um, a football account that happens to have 16,000 followers and suddenly switches to a med-ed one and starts pumping out nonsense articles. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? So number one, there's a, there's a nuance. So there's, it's like a, a ratio of like your real-world power plus or times by your virtual power divided by how full of crap you are. But the, the example we see there are health influencers who will tell you that if you drink enough celery water, your Crohn's disease will go away. And if you, if you, you know, eat, eat bananas, you're protected from COVID and, you know, certain political leaders who use it to get messages out there that maybe are not based in science evidence or, or fact. And, and so your power is this real world, virtual world amalgam. There is a, um, a doctor who uh, does quite a bit of social media work and recently I think has featured in a, in a video informing people about how to utilise pubs and clubs and restaurants and things. And his, 
his medical credibility is that he is a a medically remarkably junior um, uh, A&E doctor. However, he appeared on a relatively popular TV show. And so he has a voice. And so it's the metric between your real life power and your virtual power and how that plays off. Because you see people with millions of followers saying vaccines don't work. And they get, mm. they do get listened to. And they do have power. One of the things that often gets discussed alongside um, hierarchy disruption as a major benefit for social media is it's, it's opportunities for mentoring. This, this ties into how connective it is and how you're able to reach people from across the world. Um, and it also ties into the hierarchy um, side of things because um, people are, are generally a bit more approachable or at least practically more easy to contact on social media. Aqua, do, do, do you think that um, social media, um, and not just Twitter and other platforms, do you think that's um, helped you gather mentors? Yeah, so not only has it helped me gather mentors, in um, because using the bio as well, I can see what um, their topics are, what they're interested in, but it's also helped me maintain previous mentorships. Because like I feel like I would have lost many, many um, different contacts I would have had um, that I met from five, six years ago, but social media literally has let me um, stay in contact and hopefully I can gather um, future projects with them. And any sort of advice that I need, I know who to contact. I know I have them on my phone or on my um, contact list. Is there anything about social media that makes mentors specifically more accessible? Okay, so um, particularly if uh, I've noticed that if there's an upcoming conference or an event, and I see a speaker is going to participate in it or in a panel, and the subject is something that I'm interested in. I know I can approach them and I can ask them for advice, therefore, aka being some sort of mentor. And um, I've noticed that a lot of doctors or senior members of um, you know the sector that I'm interested in, they are very keen on answering any sort of questions. They're keen on giving advice. Um, it's just a matter of starting off that bridge of communication. Part of the reason why it's a good thing is um, that we're becoming a, a community. I think when I think about when I first started got in, getting into medical education in general, um, it, it felt very much like a hobbyist, like, I, I, I don't know, and, and, you know, conferences in my head were always a bit like those people who kind of go to toy fairs or gun fairs or stuff. It's like kind of people who do it in their spare time. Uh, but on a weekend you go and meet other people who have like a shared interest. And as medical education has become from my perspective, more professionalized, more recognized as having its own value within the medical community. Medical education has become a true community of practice in this, in the sense of, um, an established community of people from experts to, you know, apprentices, I guess. Um, and therefore that community only exists and thrives if it brings people up and brings on the next generation and supports the next generation. Because otherwise, like any community, you die out. As medical education has become more of a distinct 
and professionalized and recognized and credible thing. So our community of practice has felt more like a community and less like, you know, there's 30 people in the world who do med ed and some other people who are hobbyists. And I think without getting into the theory too much around communities of practice, I think one of the things that's interesting is Wenger Trainer uh, kind of uh, built on the original theoretical conceptual stuff about there is a community and they, they have experts and apprenticeships to this idea of, of knowledgeability, which I absolutely love because knowledgeability is all about um, my, your uh, relationship to loads of different communities within a bigger um, landscape of practice. Mm. And to me, that just sounds like social media. It is, isn't it? It's absolutely social media. It's, it's you weaving from one Facebook, uh, Facebook messenger group to another WhatsApp group back onto Twitter and then into Reddit and on Instagram within five minutes. Yeah. And, and that's the point, right? Is um, I'm going to misquote because I always misquote, but, but I remember that Wenger said something that like a community of practice isn't necessarily a group and a group isn't necessarily a community of practice, right? They, they are very much distinct things. Like not every collection of people doing, you know, learning or teaching or whatever are by definition a community of practice. But it is very clear that they now do exist, um, that, that these things are these socially configured spaces. That's what, that's what part of it. And, and that part of, part of that socially configured space has to be learning. So we're coming towards the end of um, this episode. And bearing in mind, you know, this is, this is all about the, the what and the why of social media and, um, really aimed at those who are starting off on that journey of, of social media or ooming and eyeing about whether to join the party. Guys, what piece of advice, what single piece of advice would you offer someone getting started in social media? So don't, don't be scared. It's um, a good journey to go through. You meet so many good people. You meet seniors or whatever the politically correct term is, um, which you can benefit uh, off of so, so, so much. Um, honestly, it's given me so many opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise. I'd probably go for, um, speak to people with respect and don't feed the trolls. Yeah, I completely, um, empathize with that one. And indeed in episode three, we will go through in, um, a lot more detail, um, about how to particularly manage those negative influencers and those who dwell under the bridges of social media i guess my main piece of advice would be to enjoy it um have fun explore interests outside of medical education on social media because there are lots of communities in practice that aren't just medical education um and be uh be fun be funny and share a lot of gifts uh, and so that's a wrap for our first episode of the asme bite-sized guide to social media uh, we've covered loads uh, of um, facets of uh, this really complex phenomenon. I think we've actually we've sorted it, guys. We have we have done social media, um, but we've we've covered loads. We've we've chatted about um, the benefits of uh, connecting and networking. We've uh, disrupted hierarchies. Uh, we have defined social media. It's all about relationship, guys. Um, and we have 
weave beautifully in lots of educational theory from social capital to communities of practice. So join us on the next episode um, as we go a little bit more practical. We're going to suggest how to make the most of social media in medical education specifically. So we'll give you top tips on tutorials. Uh, we'll discuss metrics and offer some advice on standing out at a conference, even when you're not actually there. See you next time. Mm-hmm.